got the drive to create things. You're a writer, a photographer, a musician, a maker. You're ready to make things happen. But chasing creative isn't always easy. Your time and energy go to your work, your family, and your life. Is it really possible to make space for the creative in your everyday life? Here at the Chasing Creative Podcast, we believe you can. We're everyday creatives who have insights and action steps you can take today to make your creative plans happen. I'm Ashley Brooks, a freelance writer and editor at Brooks Editorial and a work-at-home mom of three who would love to devote more time to creative writing and journaling. And I'm Abigail Creeves, the writer and photographer behind Inkwells and Images. I'm also a work-at-home mom of one, learning to balance work and home and trying to find a little bit of time to work on something just for fun. And you're listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. For our first interview of season five of the Chasing Creative Podcast, we have Jane Heinrichs here with us. She has been working as an illustrator for over 10 years, first as a technical illustrator on archaeological digs in North Africa, and then as a children's book illustrator. Her first children's book called Magic at the Museum, which she both wrote and illustrated, was shortlisted for Best Illustrated Book at the Manitoba Book Awards. Since then, she has been working as an illustrator with publishers around the world. She grew up in Canada, moved to London to do a master's degree in art history, and she now lives in London with her South African-slash-British husband and their three-year-old daughter. They kind of split their time between London, Cape Town, and Winnipeg, and that is why we really wanted to have Jane on to talk about um, how place in, or intersects with creativity, interacts with creativity, and... Um, influences our creativity. So Jane is passionate about bringing fun, quirky, adventurous stories to children that really showcase beautiful storytelling and illustrations. And she really strives to show characters from diverse cultures. She also starts her day at a clear desk with a huge sketchbook for books and her tiny sketchbook for her daily drawings. But she usually ends up sitting on the floor surrounded by a collection of paints, pencils, and papers. And that sounds like the exact kind of creative person we would like to talk with. So thank you for joining us today, Jane. Thank you so much for having me. I I feel like um, I already know you guys from having listened to your podcast for so many years while I've been painting. It's one of the things I do to kind of keep keep the minutes ticking along and keep myself inspired. So thank you for having me. That is so fun to hear. I feel like we know you too, because we are both followers of yours on Instagram and we love seeing your illustrations there. So we'll be sure to mention your handle at the end of the interview here so everybody else can follow along with you there as well. Um, So as an illustrator and an artist who spends time fairly often on three different continents, which is crazy. So you've got Europe with London and then Canada and then Africa. And how does being in those different places affect your work? That's a very good question. Um, I have found that between the three places, they're so very different. I mean, you have the, the, the wide, huge horizons of the kind of the Midwest prairies of Canada, which I love, which kind of reduces your landscape to a horizontal line, more or less, with the sky. <laughs> and then you have the the very dense kind of uh, ancient Europe with the houses and the buildings and the cobbled streets, and and that that it feels it feels in a sense feels smaller because because the 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 
the, the, the dimensions are smaller. So the houses are smaller and the streets are smaller. And then you have Cape Town or, or Southern Africa, which is just rocky and arid. And the colors, the palettes are different. And, and there's there's just different energy and the light is different. It's kind of got the Mediterranean light. So you've got that golden light. And it, it, all, it all changes how you look at the world. Um, and then how you paint it. So you, you, like I would totally change my color palette from one place to the next. What I would, the, the tubes of paint I would squeeze into my palette because the the colors are different and the light is different and and it's very inspiring and I think it it affects the way it also affects the way you breathe. You know, the air is different and the and the energy is different and that that changes the way you would draw something or paint something. So yeah, it definitely affects it completely. So, yeah, that is really interesting. I would not have even thought that you would take you would pack literally pack different colors in your suitcase to go to Africa I, versus Winnipeg. Definitely, and I have done that before, where I'm trying to pack light, and I will think about ahead of time what what are the colors I will use. Like in Winnipeg, it's very much blues, especially in the summertime. Mm-hmm. It's very much blues and greens because you've got the blue sky and you've got the green fields, or the slightly maybe kind of ochery brown fields, and that's that is the color palette of the of the 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 landscape whereas cape town i would say cape town is more pink because the mountain often has the the the, the earth is red it's got that kind of red rusty earth and the this the the rocks have kind of a, a kind of a pinky glow in them especially at different times of day and so you pack different colors completely where you wouldn't get a pink in winnipeg <laughs> at all so yeah it's it's a, a different way of thinking about things that is an absolutely beautiful way of describing things. I like to think that you could probably look back on your illustrations and know just from the colors where you were when you were working on it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've even kind of done little color swatches. This is the Winnipeg color swatch and this is the London. London is is kind of really green, but also gray and brown mm-hmm. all the brick. And so you kind of have the London color swatch and you have the, the Cape Town color swatch, which is kind of blue for the sea and pink for the rocks and, and greens as well for all the, the beautiful kind of uh, the, the beautiful trees and plants. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's like, a, it's like you would do for, for um, home decorating. You make different swatches for different rooms. <laughs> yeah. But three different cities and three different rooms. Yeah. That is amazing. So do you find that your subject matter changes when you are in different places? I know if you're illustrating a children's book, like you're illustrating the same book, regardless of whether you're in London or visiting family in Winnipeg. But do you, like for your daily drawings or things that are just for you, do you find that those subjects kind of change depending on what you're surrounded by? Well, definitely. Um, for my daily drawings, which I started my daily drawings shortly after my daughter was born because I felt like my life had changed so completely. I didn't know how to interact with my daily routine anymore and how to reconnect with myself as an artist when I was in the midst of, of you know, nappy changes diaper changes and feeding (laughs) schedules and you know counting bottles and how many milliliters she'd drunk and all that kind of thing and um so I I set myself a challenge to draw for 15 minutes every day and I bought the smallest sketchbook I could find which was the moleskin pocket sketchbook and the goal was to just fill one page and it started with just drawing random things but it very quickly became recording the things I saw in my day so no matter where I am I specifically like to record my daughter and what she is seeing and doing. So I see the world through her eyes in my sketches. 
but I, I try for the most part to just draw what I see. So definitely what I draw changes from one place to the other. Um, and it'll be landscapes or buildings I see or, or parks or, or things we've been doing and interactions with people. And, and uh, yeah, so it, I mean, I completely, I, I just draw what I see. And so you see different things in different places and mm-hmm. that, that you can see that reflected in the sketchbooks com- uh, completely. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that comment you had about motherhood and, how it sort of just throws the routine out the window and you have to almost refine yourself and re-figure out how your creativity is going to play into your life. That's something I know Abby and I can both really relate to and I think a lot of our listeners can as well. And um, so speaking of routines then and motherhood and all of that, we know that traveling sort of throws you off your routine, even if you're a frequent traveler. And especially if you're traveling with your family and you've got a little one with you, do you feel like it's easier to create when you're at home and you've sort of got that routine figured out? Or do you sort of uh, do better when you're broken free of the routine and you are out on a trip somewhere traveling? Um, definitely. I, I feel that um, the routine is is something that, that creates a, a safe place, like bookends for your day. And... Uh, and um, when I'm not in my routine, I struggle a lot. Like this last week, my daughter starts uh, preschool, the state preschool mm. next week. So she'll go every morning to school. Um, and this week it hasn't started yet. So she had one day where the teacher came to our house, but otherwise she's been at home. And I've really struggled to, in that time, kind of figure out time to to do my to my work. But at the same time, when we travel, mostly we travel home if that makes sense. Like we mm-hmm. travel to my husband's family and to my family. And that is in a sense traveling home, even though it's, you know, Canada and South Africa. And so we just transplant our routines and we go for quite extended periods of time because it makes sense if we're traveling that far to stay for, you know, three weeks or four weeks. And so we just bring our routine with us kind <laughs> of. And uh, so the creation, I try, we try to keep the day very similar for my daughter and she still has her nap time or her quiet time and she still has her bedtime. And so for us, we can slot in around that and uh yeah we we haven't really had so many holidays where we go somewhere just for a holiday um that makes any sense (laughs) so so the routine just goes with us everywhere we go uh yeah so definitely routine helps yeah and do you find that it that having that routine kind of helps you continue to be consistently creative regardless of where your feet are planted yeah, definitely. And it's, it's it's part of having a discipline. So if I know that she's my daughter has a nap time, then I go and I try to do my 15 minutes of drawing while she's sleeping and it'll be the same time every day or or it, it, it definitely, you know, you don't get as 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 thrown by a new a new place or a new city or a new culture because you kind of you, you have your little nutshell where you're in with you like just the three of us. It's my husband and my daughter and me. And so that feels like a really secure place and we can all do our thing and I can do my work and then the rest of the world we can be inspired by when when we're out and about and doing our you know our sightseeing or a little adventures with her. I love um, the idea of discipline as kind of helping you find your place in your routine and in your family because like we've talked about on the podcast so much before 
so many people, myself included, get really thrown off by our kids and their you know, it seems like they're always changing schedules. Like as soon as you get a handle on when nap time is, there's a growth spurt and nap time changes. And uh, I just really love that. Even going back to what you said earlier about how you bought yourself the smallest sketchbook you could find and you said, okay, just 15 minutes a day and uh, falling back on that when other things are up in the air, I think could be a really good tip for people who might feel like they're in transitions, um, either transitions of place, maybe they're moving, um, I know that can really throw people off, whether they're moving across the city or across the country or to a different country. Um, And so do you have any other tips for somebody who maybe travels a lot to help them make the most of that travel with their creativity or to make space for creativity if they are in the midst of uh, bouncing around between geographies? Well, I think just start really small is a, is a good place to, to start. Like, you know, buy yourself a small sketchbook, bring two pens or, or just a handful of colors and make yourself time to do it. You know, buy yourself a coffee at a coffee shop and say for 10 minutes, I'm going to draw something while I'm sitting here. Or, or when you, you know, what I often do is when I'm, when I see something that inspires me, I often have my sketchbook in my handbag. So I'll, I'll pull it out and do a very fast pencil sketch that will not be finished at all. But then I'll also take maybe three or four photos. So it's not exactly completely from from sight drawing when I finish it because I'll go home and then I'll take the sketch that I used for the composition and the energy and kind of my initial inspiration. And I'll sit after bedtime with my phone where I have the photographs and my and I'll finish it off and get the colors right and 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 I'm you know so it's 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 something that you can do on the fly on the go as well as then sit at home and have mm-hmm. time to to work on it so it's not it's it's not like you have to have half an hour in you know a beautiful spot to finish the whole thing that's a wonderful idea and I'd love to do more of that but I can't because I've got a three-year-old who runs around so so I do I do as best I can you know and the thing is that the lots of small steps add up I was looking at my sketchbooks the other day and I piled them up from the from when my daughter was born and I started doing the daily drawings and I have filled eight sketchbooks since she was born oh wow just doing tiny like not even every Mm -hmm. day because I say I do daily drawings but I can't I'm being totally honest it doesn't happen every day Um, and even so just small steps have added up to create you know quite a, a large body of work which I was totally surprised it surprised myself as well so Well, that is a good work for all of us perfectionists out here listening and participating in this interview. Um, I know I struggle with getting started on something in that five or 10 minute chunk when I know I'm not going to be able to sit down and do, you know, quote unquote, a good job or a perfect job at it. If I know I'm not going to be able to complete something, it kind of feels like, well, why even get started today? Or I know I'm not going to be able to do, you know, read the whole chapter. So why even start? Because I hate being interrupted. And so I think your words about just sitting down and spending a few minutes when you're out and about and you find something that inspires you and then taking it back and finishing it off that evening or later when you have time, you can kind of repull that energy out of that initial sketch or that initial, you know, jot down of an idea and kind of use that energy to finish what you're working on. I think that's really great advice for anyone out there who is trying to create with 
little kids around or trying to create when their day job has, you know, meetings all day long and they never get a chunk of time to think. Um, that's just really great advice. Well, and the thing is also that if you've, if you have started something, then you have to finish it. At least I do. And so even <laughs> if I've just done like a really simple composition because I saw something I loved, then I have to go in the evening and actually finish it because it'll bother me when I go to sleep that I haven't done it. <laughs> so, and another thing I've done is, is I, even if I feel half the page, you know, that's done, that's enough. You don't have to do a huge drawing or, or write 600 words or I don't know, whatever your creative endeavor is, you can just do a small chunk of it and feel accomplished by the end of the day. So. Yes, I have I don't always feel compelled to finish everything I start, which is one of my big problems as a creative. I start lots of things and then never get back to them. But I do have sort of a similar feeling where um, like if I'm in a, if I'm experiencing something that I really want to write about, but I don't have time, I will get out my journal and I will get out all those initial those really base feelings. That's most of what I write off of is the raw emotions that I'm feeling. And I will get that down so that I can take myself back to that emotional place later when I do have time. And the essays that really need to be written, I they sort of haunt me. And so I will go back for months and sometimes it'll take up to a year before I'm able to actually finish an essay. But I'm able to go back based on that first just couple paragraphs that I was able to jot down in the time that I had. So yeah, those, like you said, the small things can really make a difference. Yeah, and and I find that if I look at a sketch, even an unfinished one, I can still access what I was seeing and feeling and smelling at that moment that I put those lines on the paper. And I'm sure it's the same if you write something, because you've you've put that emotion into that sentence or into those lines on the paper, you can, when you look back at it, you can probably hear the song that was playing on the radio or you can mm -hmm. smell whatever was in the air because your subconscious connects right back to it. So, yeah, it's it, you don't have to finish anything. <laughs> that, that sounds really bad, but I think it's true. You don't, you, you don't have to finish anything straight away. That's maybe to, how to rephrase it. I like that. Um, so I know Ashley and I both recently read an article that we shared with you, and it kind of really briefly discussed geography and the immigrant experience and how being an immigrant in another culture often led to really great art or scientific breakthroughs, mostly because people displaced from their usual culture seem to have a really unique perspective to offer on what is happening around them. And a quote from that article is, Certain places at certain times produced a bumper crop of brilliant minds and great ideas. With very few exceptions, they are always cities, and they all possess one essential ingredient, openness to the foreign, the other. No wonder a disproportionate number of geniuses were immigrants. Not only did they bring with them a hunger for success, they also possessed an oblique perspective, as one psychologist observes, a worldview born of their particular geography. So do you, having immigrated, um, we're going to call it immigrated, perhaps you can correct us if you, if you feel it a different way, from um, you know, Canada to, to Europe and to London, and then also, I mean, you kind of temporarily immigrate to South Africa on occasion. Does yeah, that right. have a different kind of, does that show up in your work? Have, has growing up in these different places really changed how you create? Um, I think... I think it's just, it affects everything. You know, when you move to a new country, you see everything 
nothing is normal or you, whatever was normal where you were is, is slightly different or, or has a different slant or is it, you know, a different, they have people have different routines and expectations and traditions and everything you see feels extraordinary, at least for a year. I mean, it takes a while to, to get used to things. And I, I think I'm used to things here now in London, although sometimes I still question what's going on and say, wow, is this normal? <laughs> like, is this how people do things here? And certainly also when we, we lived in, in Cape Town for almost three years and, but I would bounce back and forth to, to meet with publishers. I was kind of between Cape Town and London a lot. And especially in, in Southern Africa, I would just ask, is this normal? Like, is this how everyone does it? Because I didn't know. I, I had a very kind of Western, uh, developed mind view, mindset, you know, from Canada, which is, I think, very similar to, to the States, you know, with, mm -hmm. you know, you've got mm -hmm. your big gardens and you feel relatively safe and, and, and you can drive, you just drive to your big stores and you park your car. I don't know, it's just, you know, it's, <laughs> yes. it's a different from Europe in that sense and also different from South Africa. And so everywhere you go, you, you're looking kind of with the scales coming off your eyes because everything is new. It's like it's like a child, you know, a child is everything new. Well, you have that same experience when you move to a new country. And that definitely affects your art. I mean, you, the, or your writing maybe too. You, 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 what, you learn to see and to really describe things and to really observe because everything is different. Yes, that is very accurate, I would say from, I've done pretty limited traveling, but, uh, on my one trip to Europe that I have taken, it was like everywhere we went, I was like, how would I even describe this? What are the exact words that I would use mm -hmm. to put this experience down on paper? Because it was so different from everything that I knew at home. And at home, sometimes I think you can't quite capture the way things are because maybe, living in them every day sort of blurs that reality for us. And we just don't see with such clarity as somebody who has the perspective of seeing everything anew. And yeah, I can definitely see how that would affect so many aspects of your creativity and what you're making and just how you're seeing things. And at the same time, I think <clears throat> um, I've started these daily drawings and I guess you could do the same with writing or, or I don't know, photography where you actually force yourself to see your own world with mm -hmm. new eyes every day because you're trying to find something to draw or describe every day and it can be as simple as your coffee cup, you know, but you look at it with new eyes because you're actually looking at it and I think a lot of the times we don't actually look at things, we're just going you know with our our routines and we we don't see what we're doing we're just kind of on autopilot and you can be you can be a foreigner in your own life if you if you kind of inspire yourself to be yes that I especially think of like with photography like you said like some of what makes certain uh photos so moving is that somebody took the time to actually see something and they presented it in a photograph in a new a new light and a new angle that most people don't recognize just going around their daily life. And that photo makes them stop and really see. Yeah. And I think you can, it's so easy to kind of get numbed by, and I know, especially mm -hmm. as a mom and you've got so much to do and you've got this <laughs> child who has so many needs and it's so easy to kind of just feel numb during the day, which isn't a bad thing either. I think that's also kind of a survival technique to, you know, to get through the, the, those hard moments. But sometimes it's really good to stop and just, you know, watch the steam come off the kettle or, mm. you know, the slant of light in the, 
coming through the window and say, well, that's something I really want to record. Yeah, I really like that. And I know in setting up this interview with you, kind of in the back and forth as we were emailing, you mentioned that you wonder sometimes if motherhood is kind of another continent that you've immigrated to. So you've done, you know, Europe, you've done South Africa and Canada, and how motherhood is kind of a completely different place, even though it's situated inside of all of those for all of us. And you said that your art and your worldview have really drastically changed since you became a mother. So how how has that changed for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I it's that same thing of how you, when you move to a new place, everything is new and you see everything with new eyes and you question whether things are normal. And I mean, I didn't know how to take care. I mean, I kind of knew how to take care of a baby, but when you have a, <laughs> your own baby, you realize that you actually everything you thought you knew was, you know, your own imagination and you've got this little thing to keep alive and you don't know exactly what they want at any given moment, and and it's seeing everything with new eyes and and feeling out of your depth. I think I think one of the things when you move to a new country, you it's sink or swim. You don't know how to make it. You might not be able to find a job right away. You've got to make your own contacts. You've got to you've got to kind of forge your own way. You can't rely on anybody else. And when you're when you become when I when I became a, a mom. I felt like it was also sink or swim. I had to just make this work somehow. And and also I would see the world through my daughter's eyes, which was completely new because what she was seeing, she was seeing for the first time. She was seeing our mm-hmm. couch for the first time. It was just our old couch, but then I would see it for the first time because I was experiencing it through her. And so she was kind of like the foreigner in the world and I was her tour guide maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... and um, and that's what I set out to record as well in my daily drawings is just all these new things that she was doing and all these things that we were doing together that were beautiful and that I'd never really realized were beautiful before. And also, when, when, yeah, and when you become a mother, like maybe before you're married and you're, you're kind of, you know, you go, out, you go out for dinner and you go to these beautiful places and you kind of dress up. and So there's different layers of, of your own city that you experience. And then suddenly when you become a mom, you're in the playground and you're in the playgroups and you go to, you know, the, like the different children's shops. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole, you experience a whole new side of your city um, with this little person that you've never seen before because you never had the opportunity. Yes, this is very, very true. <laughs> yeah, you, you never realize how many things in the grocery store could kill you until your child is walking around the grocery store. <laughs> or how many things they put at eye level for a three-year-old. Yes. Oh my <laughs> We have so many discussions, but we're not buying that now. I've already, we've already had your treat for today. We're not getting that now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, another another aspect of... Uh, geography and place, even for people who can't necessarily travel physically, can often be through the books that we are reading. I think, I can't remember the exact quote, but I know there's one out there about how uh, books, you know, allow you to explore other places, even if you've never been there and you see things through other people's eyes, sort of opening up your geography that way. And that is why one of the things we love to do at the end of our podcasts is mini book club. So we would love to hear from you, Jane, if there's anything you've read recently or any books that really just stand out to you uh, about art or creativity that you'd like to chat about today. Well, um, there's a series of books I just finished reading, or I have not, the series isn't finished yet, but I've been reading, called the Seven Sisters series, which is 
written by Lucinda Riley, and uh, I think I got her in her name right. And she she's written this story about this man who adopts six girls, and they're they're um, when he passes away, or maybe the mystery is whether he has or hasn't. He gives them all a clue to their history, and they all the seven sisters. Each book follows one sister as they unravel their their who their birth parents are and each book takes them to a new country so one goes to brazil and one goes to norway and one goes to australia so i just loved the aspect of of the travel and the history and the, the kind of the exotic locations of these each of these books that, that they're in which ties in nicely to the whole travel aspect because i think this author has traveled a lot to write them yeah. yes and um <laughs> yeah that yeah and another one i, re- I really enjoyed was um the Art of Slow Writing by Louise de Salvo, which really inspired me to, to do these small steps and 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 the idea that if you do things slowly, you can really do them deeply as well, uh, instead of you know just rushing through things and finishing them. So that that I, is actually a book on my to be reread pile. <laughs> I think that's always the mark of a good one, and that yeah. book is actually. Uh, I just bought it like this week without knowing that you were going to talk about it. Oh, so now I'm funny. extra excited for it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it was, it, it gave me a lot of hope when I was going through that time a couple like two years ago when my daughter was still one and, and I felt like I could never squeeze enough time mm-hmm. for my own work. And she wasn't yet in any kind of, you know, play care or nursery. And so, you know, it, it, the, the time I squeezed in was only nap time and it, you know, it's the book gave gave a lot of hope to to me that you know you could do things slowly, kind of one sentence at a time or one drawing at a time, and it would actually you know add up into something more than you thought. Yes. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is something wonderful to know. I think as as a mom of young kids, or even as someone who's just busy, 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 a lot of the time it feels like if we don't have time to create a lot of things right now, why should we even bother doing it? So hearing that you can create slowly and that it's worth it, I think is good for just about everyone to hear. So what about you, Ashley? Have you been reading anything lately you want to share in a mini book club? Uh, yes. So my latest book has been Circe by Madeline Miller. Madeline Miller. I don't know how you pronounce her first name. I never know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this book is a, sort of a, a retelling or a digging into the myth of Circe, um, who is featured, uh, most people probably know her from the Odyssey. Um, she's one of the monsters or obstacles or whatever you want to call it that Odysseus meets up with on his way home. And this book is just beautifully written. It is really gorgeous and it takes you into not only the myth of Circe's but it also uh, brings you around to some other mythological characters that people are probably familiar with as well and it's just really fascinating I uh, read a lot of uh, Greek mythology and a lot of that type of classical literature in college as part of my literature degree and so it's really a really interesting to me. If somebody doesn't care at all about Greek mythology, they're probably not going to like that book, but I am really enjoying it so far. Yeah, that sounds really good. I know one of the books that I finished over the summer was Four Seasons in Rome by Anthony Doerr. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that one. Uh, that's another one on my to be reread pile. <laughs> Excellent. I know. And I think you've read it as well, Ashley. I think you yes. read that actually before All the Light We Cannot See. Um, I 
I really enjoyed it. I have never been to Rome or Italy or Europe at all. So I have no frame of reference for the places that door is describing. And I really wish I did. I think it would be so much richer or more rich of a book. Is that how you say that? More rich of a book? Um, (laughs) If I actually knew, if I'd actually like been to the Pantheon and that kind of thing and kind of like could see in my mind what he was talking about. Um, So I really like that book. And that is was such a unique book because he could he literally could not have written that anywhere else than when he was studying for that year in Rome completely by accident. And so I found that kind of tying back into this this whole concept of place and creativity to be just it was basically just a journal of his and his wife's and their twin boys' time in Rome and how like they were magically there when the last pope passed away. So he got to like go and be in the funeral crowd for the Pope and that kind of thing. And that's just something that you could not have done anywhere else. Um, So the way that that kind of affected his creativity, I thought was fascinating. I also had deep respect for him for for pushing a twin uh, stroller around cobbled streets of Rome because I know how hard it is to push even just one one child in a stroller around a European city. So so for him to do that with twins was I just I was constantly amazed (laughs) i know and just the i mean you talk about being out of your depth when you're traveling to a new city but to have twin babies at the same time yes it's like oh my goodness but it is really incredible to see that the book that he was working on while he was there turned into Mm -hmm. all the light you cannot see and so i mean whatever effect living in rome had on his creativity it definitely turned out to be an amazing novel yeah Yeah. And over and over again, I remember him saying, and this was so encouraging to me that like, he just, he wasn't working as fast as he wanted to. And like, he had been given a year long fellowship where all he had to do was sit there and write. And with little kids, I mean, two of them, even not just one, it was just, he wasn't making progress and he wasn't making progress and he wasn't making progress, but it still turned into something. Like you said, that was so encouraging to me as a creator that like, even Anthony Doerr struggled to do this thing and it's okay if you are struggling too. Yeah, I think he spent a lot of time procrastinating and reading Pliny or something <laughs> yes. like that. I can't remember one of the one of the Roman philosophers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, excellent. We want to say thank you again, Jane, so much for joining us and dealing with our our time difference here between London and the Midwest in America. It's been great to chat with you. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really uh, a fun experience. And before you go, do you want to let everybody know where they can find you and your work online? Yeah, sure. So my website is janeheinrichs.net. I think there'll be links posted on the on the website for the podcast, but yep. so I won't bore you with spelling my last name. <laughs> um, and uh, my Instagram is at janeheinrichs and my shop where I actually forgot to mention that I have um, copies of my first book, Magic at the Museum, in my shop with doodles on that I have done on the on the title oh, page fine. so you can buy those you can buy those in my in my shop um, so that's just all linked in on my website at janeheinrichs.net and if you want to find me on Instagram it's at janeheinrichs and at Facebook it's at janeheinrichsstudios and Pinterest is also just Jane Heinrich. So if you just google Jane Heinrich you'll find me anywhere because there's not very, <laughs> there's not very many of us <laughs> 
Well, wonderful. I hope people definitely do check out some of your work and for sure follow you on Instagram because that's you're a very inspirational person to be around oh, on social media. I, I really hope people do um, come and say hi because I love meeting new online, virtually meeting new people and being inspired by them and finding out how they do their do their own little lives wherever they are because it's we all connect somehow and I just love seeing it. So, yeah. yeah. I hope people can can connect somewhere and say hello. Yes. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Next, stay tuned to hear us talk more about our interview with Jane and how place has affected creativity in each of our own lives. a great interview we just had with Jane Heinrichs and I would just like to talk a little bit more with just you Abby about how all of the things that she said could be applied to our own creative lives and our listeners creative lives she had some great takeaways there she really did and I mean right out of the gate talking about how she packs different paints to take with her to different places was so revolutionary I'm gonna say for my own creativity I would I mean as a writer you don't like pack different words with you but you definitely kind of like source from a different palette I mean if you're in the desert you're gonna use different words than if you're at Niagara Falls when you're writing about the place that you're in and that was just I mean mind-boggling to me that I'd never thought about that before what about you Yeah, maybe it even speaks to like a different mindset shift that you have when you're in different places, like different places are going to inspire you maybe in different ways, like being in New York City is definitely going to have a different energy and a different uh, kind of personality almost than being, you know, in uh, the Midwest or somewhere (laughs) rural or somewhere across the world or Asia or whatever. I mean, you know, every place has its own different vibe that it gives off. And so maybe knowing that going in can sort of help you shape what you're going to create while you're there or based on that place. Yeah. Or even maybe kind of help you prepare yourself to be launched into a different culture so that once you get there, you're not quite so shocked And it doesn't take you so long to recover and kind of get back into your creative groove. Yes. And that is something that I don't feel like a lot of people talk about when they talk about travel. They sort of talk about how amazing it is and eye-opening it is and all those things are true. But when I went to Europe, and this was about five years ago now, maybe almost exactly five years ago, actually, um, I was completely shell-shocked. We went to Rome first and... I don't think I had ever been in a city that big and I was just completely unprepared for it because I'm not a city person. So I was immediately Mm -hmm. just overwhelmed and feeling sort of unsettled and off balance. And by the time I really started to feel comfortable in the city and like I could see the city and maybe write about the city, it was time for us to move on to the next place. And so that's something I will definitely take away for future travel is, um, maybe just doing some research about where I'm going and sort of grounding myself in, okay, this is what this might be like. It will be new and different, but it will be okay. And doing that work to prepare yourself, like you said. Yeah, that is a really good idea. And, and I think, 
I mean, with the internet, it's so accessible now to be able to like Google, what's your experience traveling in Rome or whatever it happens to be, or read a book, a memoir set in that certain place or whatever to kind of help get you, your creative juices flowing in that direction. That might be really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, so do you feel like place, uh, travel or a certain place or anything like that has ever affected any of your own work? Yeah, I think we talked about it in the interview with Jane a little bit, but I always feel like when I'm somewhere else, even like the smallest details are really easy to see. Like you're, you're off course, you're out of your routine. And so like the food tastes better and the air, you know, smells cleaner or whatever it happens to be. Like all of your sentences, senses are really heightened and you're really kind of taking in all of this information and that's not my norm here at home. Um, so I feel like going somewhere always really inspires me and makes me want to create more. It makes me want to pull out a journal and write or sketch something or, or anything like that. But I find that when we're traveling, I never have the time to do that. And I don't know if this like whole revelation for me is kind of going to push me towards maybe slower travel in the future. I know like slow travel is kind of a movement where you go somewhere and stay for a long time. If you, if you can, it's just not feasible for everybody. Um, and I don't know if it'll ever be feasible for me. I'm not ever going to be able to like take the summer and go stay in a French chalet. That's just probably not going to happen. <laughs> right. Um, but I do feel like I'm, I'm more inspired to do things when I am out and about traveling. And I really like that tip from Jane then to just jot down what you can sketch, what you have time for, you know, make some notes, capture that energy and take it home with you. And then once you're home, once you're back in your routine or you have a few minutes, you can expand on that. And that was really encouraging to me. Yes, I totally agree about uh, what she said about just getting down like the bare bones or like she said, like the basic sketch. Um, and for us, you know, like uh, just getting those couple of words down to describe what we were feeling so we can take ourselves back there later. Because I personally always pack my notebook and think I'm going to get all this writing done whenever I go even somewhere as simple as going to the cabin or going up north or something like somewhere that I have been before, I find that I don't want to spend that time writing because I don't want to miss my trip. If that makes sense. Like, yes, I want to be relaxing and enjoying my time at the lake, or I want to be experiencing Europe, not sitting there writing about everything. Like it almost feels like a homework assignment at that point. And, um, so in that sense, slow travel does make more sense because you you can take your time and you don't have to feel like you're so distracted by the place that you're trying to capture or that you are um, somehow missing out on something because you're too busy trying to force some sort of creative inspiration that you think is going to happen because that inspiration can't happen unless you're out there experiencing the place, right? Yes, most definitely. Um, so do you feel like it's easier to create in some places and not as easy in others? You know, I think the main thing for me is having the time and the space 
to mm-hmm. create something. And this is different for different types of creativity. So like if I'm working on a knitting project, then I that's actually very easy for me to do when I'm traveling because you can knit on a plane, you can knit in a car, you can knit in a hotel room when everybody's winding down before bed, whatever. Um, but if I'm talking about writing, I really do need to be by myself. I need to not be interrupted. I need to be fairly focused and feel like I'm settled in a place that's like, I don't want it to just be like a, a regular hotel room, you know, like I need some sort of a cozy feeling spot, even if it's just a coffee shop or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that's oftentimes hard to achieve when you are traveling because you're with whoever you're traveling with and you're oftentimes not very separate from them. There's, you know, not a ton of downtime or alone time when you travel, depending on who you're with and where you're going. So I guess in that sense, um, I'm more the type of person who would go travel and take my experiences and bring them home with me and then work on them once I'm home. What about you? Yeah, I definitely think that is true of me as well. Um, we haven't done much traveling since having a kid. Um, we've taken a couple shorter trips, but nothing that was really, I'm not going to say inspiring or whatever. They've been mostly like trips to see family or something to that effect. Uh, so I haven't really like, I guess, experienced this in this new stage of life. But I know when Scott and I were traveling before Arthur came along, we had kind of figured out that our travel rhythm, we're, we're both introverts. We both like exploring and, and going and doing, but we also both need a decent amount of time to just sit back and take it all in. And so we kind of figured out that we like to get up and get moving. And if we have like a big activity or something planned for the day, like having a full day is not a big deal. We'll just go and go and go. But then the next day we need a bit slower of a day. And maybe that looks like, you know, we go out for breakfast and then head back to Airbnb and just sit and read for a while, or I can jot down ideas or things. Like I always try to keep a travel journal sounds too ambitious, but like jotting down thoughts that I have about places when we are there. Um, so I like to be able to do that before I forget where we went to dinner and what we ate and why we liked it or, you know, what park we went to and why it was really cool, like that kind of thing. I like to jot all that down so I can go back to it later um, and then, you know, go out for a nice dinner or whatever that day that we have a slower day. Um, So we've just kind of figured out like our groove for traveling to make the most of it for our personality types too. And that was really helpful. The sad thing about traveling with kids is you can't just have a slower afternoon if you so desire because there are children there. Yes, this is very true, especially if you're in like a hotel room and it's like, okay, now the baby is napping, but what are we supposed to do with ourselves? We can't leave this kid, but now we're sitting in a silent, dark hotel room. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I guess maybe sit out in the hall with your head against the door. I don't don't know. (laughs) That's probably where renting out places like an Airbnb that have like more than one room would come in handy for families when traveling. I will say that we have not done extensive traveling with our kids. We have gone places since having them, but it's always been just me and Jacob. We don't bring them with pretty much anywhere other than to visit family or to go to the cabin or like short little road trips. Um, So we've been kind of spoiled in that regard. That is nice, definitely. That is a goal. That is a goal over here. <laughs> um, so I guess, do you do you find like when you're at the cabin or you're visiting family or something, do you 
feel the urge or do you create specific things that you don't create elsewhere? Not necessarily anything specific. I will say that, um, you know, going to the cabin is our most common travel. It's our most common trip because it's nearby, it's free, and, um, (laughs) you know, it doesn't require that much forethought and planning. And so going there almost feels like a second home if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. we, we don't go that often, maybe just once or twice a year, but we used to be there all the time. We used to go almost every weekend through the summer. And um, so being there, I will sort of feel like I want to write or I want to work on something, but um, it's never anything specific. It's never a specific project. And I think it's more so just being in nature that brings out that feeling. Whereas if I were exploring a big city, you know, like Rome, um, there was so much going on there and I was so overwhelmed that I couldn't even begin to write down what all I was experiencing because my mind hadn't processed it yet. So for me, that's, and that's probably just one of those things going back to like different places have different energies and different personalities are going to connect with those places differently. I think that for me, creating in a big city is probably always going to be fairly difficult. But as soon as we left Rome, we went to um, Northern Italy, which was more rural. And then we went up to rural Switzerland and Uh, writing down some thoughts and sort of travel journaling, like you mentioned, came a lot more easily in those places where I felt like there was just room and space to breathe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, So do you think you can write about a place if you've never been there? That is such a tricky question. And I'm not sure, (laughs) like, I'm sure people have, but I'm sure also that it has involved extensive research and Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if you can get a true sense of a place just by doing research. I think it would come out to be too flat. And so if you can't visit a place yourself, you probably would do well to at least talk to someone who lives there and who knows a place really well to get a feel for what it's really like. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I was thinking about this and I agree. I I mean, I couldn't write about, you know, living in Italy if I've never lived in Italy kind of thing. But then I got to thinking about all of the writers who write historical fiction. And so, I mean, even if you're writing a book about 1920s London, like you can't visit 1920s London. You can visit today's London, but that's a hundred year difference. And so I was just kind of thinking about people who do that. And it just gave me so much more. I love historical fiction to begin with, but just thinking about that concept that they can't actually visit the place they are really truly writing about gave me so much more respect for what they're able to do when they like create a setting for that novel or that research book or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, I've never really thought about it like that, but that's true. Time, in a sense, does act as another geographical place in a novel. And you're, you know, I mean, compared to like writing writing about a place now and writing about a place hundreds of years ago is obviously going to be completely different. And that's not something I think I necessarily realized. And then two to think about not just writing but different types of creative work like you can probably paint a picture that's inspired by a different place but you can't if you're a photographer take a photo if you're not physically in that location so I think it is kind of I don't know sort of limited uh, depending on what your creative work 
is. I mean, you could design an outfit based on or inspired by a place. Um, but yeah, I think there are just certain types of creativity that lend themselves more to know you actually need to be here. And then <laughs> there are others where you get a little bit more leeway. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought about the photography thing, but that's so true. So did we have anything else to say about creativity and place for this week? Yeah. Well, I know for me personally, like my own creativity, the, the novel that I've been working on off and on again for a while now, like years, we're talking years at this point. <laughs> uh, I, I had the idea when we went to Prince Edward, Prince Edward Island on vacation one year. And this was, I don't know, seven years ago now. Um, and I, I know I grew up, I loved the Anne of Green Gables novel and the rest of the books. And so I always wanted to go to PEI and we went and it was awesome. Like we had, what was one of the best vacations we've ever taken. We would go again and again. And while I was there, I had this idea for a novel kind of tied to the place of Prince Edward Island. And I feel like I always think in the back of my mind, like I could totally finish this novel if I just got to like go finish writing it in PEI, of course, is the thought. Um, it'd be so much easier or more seamless to write this while I'm there, um, you know, being able to get the geography right and being able to describe things perfectly. I think that is one of my... I guess Achilles heels in creativity is I want it to be right. And yes. so I think so much like if I just could return to that place, I could finish this creative project. And so not being there seems to kind of hamper me. So I feel like you either need to return there and actually try to write this novel or get over the fact that I'm not there, try my best to finish writing this novel about this place and maybe just return for like a quick research trip to double check some of my facts. Yes. Yeah. I feel like unless you're planning on moving there, the latter is probably, <laughs> probably <laughs> more practical, but yeah, I, I can definitely see that how, if you were writing something that was very tied to a specific place and it had been years since you've been there, you could really have trouble accessing that inspiration and that energy that first sparked the idea in the first place. So I think yeah. you're, uh, you're probably not alone in experiencing <laughs> that. Yeah. And I know you mentioned that you think every place has a different energy or personality kind of when we started talking, did you have anything else you wanted to add to that idea? Cause I, I definitely agree with you. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like, and to be fair, I have not traveled extensively. We took, uh, one big trip to Europe a couple of years ago, like I mentioned. And, uh, in that trip, we stayed for three weeks and hit up three different countries. So we traveled through Italy, Switzerland, and Austria. And it just really hit home that each of those places and each city within each country really had its own flavor and its own mm -hmm. personality and um, each place sort of connected with me differently. Like there were places where I was like, oh, I can see the type of person who would enjoy being here, but I'm not that person. Or, oh, I love this place. This feels like home, even though it's thousands of miles away from where mm -hmm. I actually live. And so I think that just winding down on that idea that maybe creativity can be fueled by being in all sorts of different places. So sometimes being in that place that feels like home can bring out your creativity. And maybe sometimes being in a place that takes you out of your comfort zone can bring out a different type of creativity. 
And uh, that's just going to be a different personal experience for every one of us. Yeah. And when we can't travel to all the places that we want to write about, at least we can read books about them, right? Yes, of course. That is the beauty of being a book lover. (laughs) It is. Well, I hope everyone learned something from Jane's interview that we did. I know I certainly did. And I hope that as you think about place and how it affects your own creativity, that you kind of, I guess, create a plan for yourself for the next time you're out of your comfort zone or on unfamiliar territory, that you can continue to be as creative as you would like to be. Yes. And if you don't have any big trips coming up in your future, then uh, keep Jane's advice in mind that uh, you can always look at your own familiar surroundings with new eyes and new perspectives. Thanks for listening to the Chasing Creative podcast. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to stop by ChasingCreative.com to check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes, and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also join in the creative conversation by tweeting to us at Abigail E. Creeps or at Brooks Editorial or by using the hashtag ChasingCreative on Twitter and Instagram. If you have any feedback for us, drop us a line at chasingcreativepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go chase your creative.